Consider the military this morning. Confirmation is sort of like the end of boot camp. The troops are prepared, and now is not the time to throw the hats up into the air and say, aha, we're done. But now is the time to enter the fray. So consider two kinds of military officers, the recruiter and the general. They say very different things, don't they? When the recruiter is out doing his thing, he doesn't talk about bullets whizzing at your face. Maybe a few of them do. But by and large, the recruiter says things like this. Sign up with me and see the world. Sign up with me and gain direction for your life. Sign up with me and be part of something bigger than yourself. Discover some discipline. Discover some power. Sign up with me, the recruiter says, and everything wonderful will happen to you. It's very different when you're the commander on the battlefield. When the troops are all assembled, every commander knows that you have to steal their nerves, right? And so every commander and everybody who makes a military movie knows that there's a time and a place for the battle speech. And in the battle speech, it won't do, the pre-battle speech, it won't do to say the same things that the recruiter said. It wouldn't fit, would it? If you're preparing the troops for battle, if the objective is to take that hill over there, the commander does not say, hey guys, remember how you signed up to see the world? (laughs) No, the commander says, all right, we're going over there, and when we do, when we do, we're going to face some obstacles. The recruiter doesn't want you to hear about obstacles. The recruiter only wants you to hear the opportunities, the good things, because the recruiter's mind is very much fixed on the short-sighted, the here and the now. But the general, the commander in the field, he has to consider the long-term reality. He wants his troops not just to sign up for boot camp and not just to finish boot camp and then get their, you know, all of their, um, all of the details of their deployment. No, the commander on the field wants the objective taken. He has to think much more long term. And so he has to speak realistically to the troops. It won't do to speak in half-truths. It won't do to try to hide things from the troops because if you try to hide things on the battlefield, well, then when the bullets start whizzing at the soldiers, they're going to run for cover. No, when you're on the field, you've got to talk about what's really right in front of you. Which of those two does our Lord Jesus sound like in today's reading? Does he sound like the recruiter just trying to get names on a list, just trying to get people to sign up and then we'll see how it all sorts out? Or or does our Lord Jesus sound much more like the commander in the field? See, Jesus is not interested in the short term. Jesus has the long term in view. And as we come to the end of our Easter season and as we get ready for Pentecost and the time of the church and as we have this confirmation day when these young people will confess their faith and declare their intention to serve in Christ's church, it's good for us to consider not just the short term, not just what it means to be a disciple for a month or a year or even three years, but to consider the whole life of a disciple. Jesus prepares you for that. He wants you to be prepared for that like a commander in the field. And so he spoke to his disciples long ago, and the words are written down now for you to hear this morning about the challenges that come with being a disciple. Jesus doesn't sugarcoat things this morning. He's not short-sighted. And the reason he doesn't sugarcoat, I want you to understand this, is because Jesus is not a salesman. 
right? Jesus isn't trying to, you know, sell you a car, and so he's only going to say the good things. No, Jesus has come to command your allegiance, to win your loyalty. And Jesus has in view not just short-term discipleship, but he has in view the whole life of a Christian. He is not trying to attract temporary disciples and temporary friends. No, he wants faithful warriors who will stick with him through thick and thin. And so he says things like we heard this morning. These things I have spoken to you so that you don't freak out. That's my translation, but that's what it says. I have said these things to you so that you don't get worried. I have said these things to you, the Greek word is this, so that you would not be scandalized, so that you wouldn't go out into the world and when you meet an obstacle, run and hide because, hey, nobody told me it would be like this. Jesus tells us what to expect. And he says that he wants us to know these things. He wanted his apostles to know, and he wants the church in every age to know what to expect. He says, so that when things happen to you, you can remember that Jesus said so. Now, that almost sounds like the way, you know, sometimes husbands and wives do this. One of them says, I won't say which one, but one of them says, you know, you should really do this. And the other one says, no, I'm going to do it my way. And then it turns out they should have done, you know, what the first one said. And so the other one gets to say those wonderful words, I told you. Jesus isn't, you know, that kind of a person. Jesus isn't saying, hey, remember that I told you because he wants to, like, win an argument. Jesus isn't keeping tally. He's not keeping track. He doesn't want to demean his disciples. He doesn't want them to remember that Jesus said this would happen just so he can win some kind of points. Jesus wants his disciples to remember his words so that when they face opposition, they wouldn't freak out but instead say, this is what he prepared us for. It's kind of like, again, think of the troops on the battlefield. When the commander says, our objective is to take that hill. And listen, fellas, when we go to take that hill, the enemy is going to come out from over there, and they're going to try to outflank us over here, and they're going to crawl out of that trench right there. I want you to remember these things, Jesus says, so when you face obstacles, you can remember you were always prepared for this. You were always ready for this. What happens if you're not ready for obstacles? I'll tell you what happens if you're not ready for obstacles. Fear sets in. If you're not ready for the obstacles of life, whatever they might be, and here we're not just speaking about specifically Christian things, but if you're not ready for something and you're surprised, fear sets in. And fear does two things to us. It either paralyzes or it causes us to just kind of flail about. The disciples knew that. St. Peter provides us a great example for those two responses to fear when you're not prepared for it. In fact, it was even just later on the night when Jesus spoke the words that we heard this morning that Jesus displayed what happens to the disciple who is not prepared. Remember how after Jesus said these things, he went out to the Garden of Gethsemane and there he was betrayed? Remember how Judas, you know, for 30 pieces of silver had sold out our Lord Jesus and how he led the troops with their pitchforks and with their knives and with their torches And so Judas and the Roman soldiers came and they took Jesus. And what happened to Peter that night? Well, he got scared. And what happens when Peter gets scared, when he's not ready for what's happening, he decided he was going to do something about it. 
See, this is one way to respond to fear, to try to rally within yourself and respond to whatever the obstacle is and to overcome it. So Peter got into his mind, we should fight. Remember this? Remember how Peter drew his sword and there was Malchus, the high priest's servant, and Peter said, I'm going to stop all of this from happening. Nobody's going to touch my Jesus. And he took out his sword and he chopped off Malchus's ear. See, that's what happens when you get afraid. You start doing things that on a rational basis you would never do. How can 12 men fight against that whole crowd? And if Peter had been thinking not just on a rational basis, but if he had been thinking on the basis of Jesus' words, he would have remembered that Jesus wasn't trying to get away from all this, that Jesus wasn't trying to fight the crowd, that Jesus wasn't trying to avoid the cross and the passion and the betrayal but that he willingly handed himself over to it. But see, when you're not prepared and fear sets in, you feel like you've got to do something, right? You've got to do anything. The world around us is expert at this. There's a lot of talk about experts in the world today, isn't there? Well, the world around us is an expert in fear and in flailing. Every time there is some crisis, every time there is some danger, what do we hear? We've got to do something, we've got to do something, we've got to do something. And we'll even grant it that hearts are in the right places, right? People don't want to be afraid. But what so often happens is in our rush, in our fever, in our hurry to respond to whatever the fear is, we just do something, anything, got to act, got to do something now. And like Peter, we flail around. Oftentimes, we even make things worse. Well, we just didn't have all the information. That's the whole point. When you don't have all the information, when you can't see everything and you act, you end up putting your foot in your mouth. You end up doing things that later you say, boy, I really wasn't in my right mind. I was driven by fear. Or it's opposite. Instead of flailing around, the other response to fear without preparation is paralysis. And Peter displays that too. After he tried to strike the servant's ear in the garden, remember how Jesus was led away and Peter followed and Jesus was taken and put on trial and there was Peter in the courtyard warming himself by the fire. You remember these things, don't you? And fear set in because a little girl came and asked him a question and that's frightening. The question was, hey, aren't you with Jesus? You sure look like a Galilean. You sure sound like a Galilean. You're one of them aren't you? You're one of those disciples of Jesus. And fear came into Peter's heart because he wasn't ready for that question. And so what did he do? Look up in the window. You see St. Peter right there. You see the rooster, which reminds us how Peter denied our Lord. Peter, the rock, in his fear denied our Lord. He froze up, paralyzed. See what fear does when you're unprepared? It either leads you to strange, erratic behaviors, or it paralyzes. But Jesus has spoken all these things to his disciples then, and they are written down for you today so that you would not be driven through this world by fear, but that you might have confidence, that you might live as soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ who are not driven to wild behaviors and are not stuck and paralyzed at every last little thing that the world is paralyzed by, but that you may have confidence as Jesus' disciples. I have said all these things to you, Jesus says, so that you wouldn't freak out, 
so that you wouldn't be worried and afraid and constantly full of anxiety and wondering what's happening, everything is falling apart, but that you would remember, hey, Jesus told us just what to expect. Nothing strange is happening. Just because the whole world doesn't come crawling to the church, nothing strange is happening. This is the way it's always been. Yes, there will always be those who hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and come running to it, but there will also always be those who oppose the gospel of Jesus Christ. There will always be those who scoff at the name of Jesus, who belittle Christianity, who look at the things that you love, that you value, that you confess and sing about, and they'll spit on it and say, what good is that? Don't be surprised when these things happen to you. It's just like Jesus said. And what he said actually happened. See, when the apostles went out into the world, these very things happened. They got kicked out of the synagogues. They got chased through the streets. They got stoned. They got put in prison. And some of them, most of them, you can look around at the windows here and see the instruments of torture. They were killed for their faith in Christ. They were killed for their witness. But as that happened... They never freaked out. They weren't like us. They weren't driven by fear, for they remembered the words of their Lord Jesus. And Jesus has spoken those things then, and they are written down for you now so that you might have some share, so that you might have some participation, so that you might have some share in their confidence and their boldness. Because here's the thing. The world needs a messenger of peace. The world needs the church and its witness because if the world does not hear the witness of Jesus Christ, it will only hear the messengers of fear, the messengers of crisis, the messengers of we have to do something now, and the messengers who say actually everything is just getting worse and worse and worse. But Jesus has spoken these things so that you might be messengers of the gospel, Here's how he put it. When the helper comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will bear witness about me, and so will you. See, here, compressed wonderfully into one little sentence, Jesus tells us the whole work of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit will come and he will tell you not about fear and anxiety and worry and sirens. See, I timed it just perfectly this morning. I told him, all right, at about uh, 11.30, whatever time it is, drive past St. Paul's. Jesus wants there to be another noise in the world, not the noise of fear, not the noise that drives you to say, what should we do? Should we flail about or should we stand here paralyzed? Jesus wants the world to hear about him because only in him, only in his cross, only in his work of redemption can there be true and lasting peace. That's what the Spirit speaks about. That's what the apostles testified to, and that is the message that the church must, must confess in our life and in our actions. Because if the world won't hear that from us, they surely won't hear it from the experts all around us. The experts all around us want to drive the world by fear because fear is easy to control, right? But Jesus Christ wants the message of his love, Perfect love, which casts out fear. He wants that message to go out into the world. And where that message comes, where the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ comes, where the hope of the resurrection comes, then instead of fear and anxiety and worry and freaking out, then there can be peace. Then there can be hope. Then there can be something built Actions that have meaning, actions that have purpose, not the wild flailing about of St. Peter chopping off Malchus's ear, and not the paralysis of not knowing what to say or what to do. 
but something can actually be built in this world. For what is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, what has begun to be built in these young people's lives today, is the thing that will endure all the freakouts, all the crises, all the failures, all the worries and anxieties of this world. So remember, remember the words of your Lord Jesus, how he spoke plainly and openly, how he didn't hide anything from his disciples, but how he told them just what to expect. So that when it happened, they could remember, hey, Jesus told us about this. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be afraid. And they can remember the other words of Jesus. How he spoke and said to them, take and eat my body given for you. Take and drink my blood shed for you. Surely I am with you always to the end of the age. How he spoke and commanded them to go out, to not be afraid. How he spoke and commanded that they should proclaim the gospel to every creature. How he promised that whoever believes and is baptized shall indeed be saved. That is the witness that the Spirit brought long ago. And that is the witness that the Spirit continues to send out into the world now through people like you. Don't be paralyzed. Don't flail about frantically thinking, well, we've got to do something. But speak instead of Jesus, always of Jesus. Say his name, memorize his words, proclaim his glories, for in him and only in him is there the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding. To him be the glory now and forever. Amen.